Welcome to Vibe Talk Awaken. I'm your host, Vibe Queen. On the show, we will get to know artists, entrepreneurs, and coaches living life in their truth after experiencing an awakening. We'll talk about their journey, wisdom, and any tools they've learned along their path. Thank you so much for being here. Hello and welcome to another episode of Vibe Talk Awaken. I'm your host, Vibe Queen, and I'm very excited to have this week's guest, Pamela J. Campbell. So Pamela is a life coach, author, and motivational speaker driven by her convictions, hope, and divine spirit and is passionate about transformational work. She shares her story of abuse in candid detail in the hope that it will inspire and impact others who have suffered or suffer the way she did. Pamela uses her experience to coach individuals in living the life they want by creating a new narrative. She is devoted to supporting others and moving through their blocks so they can create new possibilities in their life. Absolutely incredible. I know we got to talk and connect before we hit record. And I just want to say thank you for sharing and allowing me to just be there with you. Uh, it was quite uh, profound. So I just want to thank you. And how are you feeling today? Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Um, it's a new day. It's a new day. And I'm always reminded there's a lot of things going on. But even when things aren't good, it's still good. I love that attitude. Fantastic. Well, we always start each episode with the same question, and that is, what prompted your awakening? I'd love to hear your story. So my story starts um, at the tender age of two. So I was born in the Ivory Coast, West Africa, born here at the age of two. Um, From age six to 16, I experienced both emotional and physical abuse at the hand of my father. it was a very traumatic childhood. And by the time I reached the age of 16, things had um, kind of spiraled out of control. And so um, usually your parents are the ones that are supposed to protect you, but I needed protection from my own father. So it was my experience that um, the beatings, the emotional abuse, things like, you know, you're stupid and dumb like your mom, you will never amount to anything. These were things that I heard consistently for 10 years. And when I was 16, my father tried to take my life. And so I was able to leave home and place myself in the New York foster care system. So foster care literally saved my life. And to this day, I will, I am grateful. And why I'm so passionate about foster care issues as a foster care advocate, I'm just looking to um, make changes, some really necessary changes that are way past due. And so obviously with the traumatic childhood that I had, there was a lot of anger, right? And I wanted to be an attorney. I was going to be the next Marsha Clark of foster care, right? And somehow, you know, as they say, life happens. And I found myself on this journey of transformation in 2011. I did this workshop called Momentum Education, and it allowed me to see things that I wasn't present to, right? Have a different interpretation of my story. That experience that led me on my spiritual path, right? For many, many years, I always felt like I was different. I was like, I knew things. I was like, am I crazy? What's going on, right? Not knowing that I had <laughs> spiritual gifts, you know, intuition, 
Um, so once I found myself on this journey of spirituality, that's when I started to embrace these spiritual gifts and my intuition and the, the knowing that is inside of me. Right. And so from there, like they say, the rest is history. <laughs> I just started, um, I became a, a student of A Course in Miracles, love me some Maria Williamson, um, teachings of Gabby Bernstein, other spiritual people in the world who are amazing. And I went from being wanting to be an attorney to then now stepping into my purpose, right? So I realized that everything that had happened that mm-hmm. transpired from childhood, the traumatic experiences, that it happened for me, not to me, right? Because a little bit after I entered the foster care system, a classmate tried, uh, he's, I was sexually assaulted by a classmate, right? So there's the trauma of my experiences, the foster care system being sexually assaulted. And, you know, for me, it took a while to even admit, oh, well, I was sexually assaulted because I didn't, I didn't really comprehend what was going on, right? And then I had right. a breakdown at age 24, which reminds me of a, of a saying of you can run, but you can't hide. Right. No one could tell me that I was angry. I was fine. I was fine. Right. I was okay, but I wasn't. And so I feel like God works in mysterious ways. Cause I remember having these vivid dreams and I remember, um, so my biological mother had left when I was five. I came home from a play date and my father told me that she no longer loves me and that she left. The truth was they were arguing and um, she went to go defend herself. She put her hand up and she fell out of our five-story building at the time, our apartment. And by the grace of God, she survived. And that's how she fled. Oh my God. My father. And so I had a lot of anger towards her because I didn't know this story at the time. Right. And so what... How long until you found out? So I aged out at 21, 21. Because I remember when I aged out, my aunt in Paris sent me a plane ticket. She was like, you need to come. There's some things that you need to know. And so she told me the story. I was still angry. (laughs) I was still angry. And I think maybe two years later, that's when I experienced something that felt like a mental breakdown. Like I I just shut down. I was lost my mind. Right. And I remember I was... I was having dreams of my mom and myself, the memories that I did have of her Mm. before she left. And I knew that was God telling me that it was time to find her. It was time to find her. It was time to get her side of the story. And it was time to heal because I had so much anger (laughs) inside of me because of the life experiences, the trauma that I had experienced. Right. And so I say that to say, whether it was foster care, whatever trauma, right? I realized that it was purposeful. God is purposeful. There is a reason, as crazy as it may sound, there is a reason why we go through all these different mm-hmm. experiences in life, right? For me, I feel like we are souls having this human experience. So that's part of the human experience, right? And then what is the lesson? What is the teaching? Mm-hmm. What is it here to show me, right? And so when I look back at all mm-hmm. the things I've endured, I'm grateful because I know it's, it is moving me towards my higher self. It is moving me towards the person that I am meant to be. Because it is my belief that no matter what we've been through, the essence of who we are is love. Love. 
And unfortunately, all these different experiences will, I like to think of it as like, um, what's that candy bar? Does a candy bar, so basically we are love, right? So let's say this is love. And so on top of that are all these different experiences. And so healing, we have to kind of pick through the layers of hurt and pain to get to the core of who we are, which is love. And for me, that's been my journey. That's been my experience where someone, when someone is not being kind or being rude, right? Thank God I don't drive, but I know like road rage is a real thing. And so at the end of the day, that's not who that person is, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. maybe responding unkind, but at the core of who they are, that's not who they are, their love. And so I choose to see, to experience the world and, and see people as love, like, the, like the essence of who they are and not who they may be showing up in, in that moment that may be unkind and that is not mm-hmm. love. And so mm-hmm. I'm grateful for this journey of spirituality because I mean, man, I was a person that lived in a fight or flight mode right? Versus now I'm learning to surrender. And here's the thing. I didn't know control mm-hmm. is even real. We don't have control. It's an illusion. It's not even real, right? We're really not in control of anything, <laughs> but we will make, we will make up the story that, yeah, no, I'm in control here. I got this. I'm in control and I have to hold on tight. And I remember, I, I don't know if it was a, I think it was an old um, social worker when I was foster kid. She was like, you, God can't give you what you're asking for if your hand is like this. She was like, you have to open your hand in order mm-hmm. to receive. And so there's been so many things I got to work through um, worthiness. I mean, it, when you've been told you're stupid, dumb, and ugly, <laughs> that will pierce your soul. It pierced my soul for many years. And then it showed up later on in my adult relationships where I felt that I was unworthy of love or I didn't deserve it, right? Making the distinction of, it's not that I deserve love, I'm worthy of love. And I'm worthy because I was born worthy. God made me worthy. I am worthy because God says so. You know what I'm saying? Versus Mm -hmm. I need to do something to earn this love from this person. And it was very interesting to see how the different things, the different experiences, how it showed up later on in my adult relationships. It was scary. It was scary, but I'm so grateful for the amazing people in my life who have chosen me and I've chosen them. And we are on this journey together. We are walking this path of spirituality. We are walking this path and committed to being our higher self. And I just, I love me some transformational work, which is why I do the work that I do. It's just such a beautiful (laughs) journey. It's a beautiful, it's just a beautiful thing. Right. Yeah. I I think it's absolutely amazing. And it's so funny because something that took me a long time to to recognize is what you just touched on. And it kind of goes into this idea of manifesting, right? You can get very clear on what you want. You could set the intention on what you want, but if you're holding tight to it, you're not letting go. You're still attached. And that's the key on manifesting is being clear on what you want, setting that intention, but then letting it go and not being attached and trusting that God, the universe source, whatever you want to call it doesn't matter. In my opinion, it's all the same thing. Trusting that it's going to be divine and it's going to show up for you. And then there's a fourth thing. And this is where I got very stuck myself 
And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because I really just thought it was those three letting go. That's it. And for a long time, I got stuck because I'm like, all right, I'm setting intentions. I'm getting clear and I'm letting go. And sometimes my manifestations and things will show up. Sometimes it wouldn't or it'll show up for a little bit and then I would lose it. And I'm like, why, why can't I hold on to it? Mm-hmm. And I get, I kept getting stuck because I wasn't open right. to receiving it. Right. And that was a huge shift for me because you can understand it on an intellectual level. I need to be worthy. I'm good enough. I was born, you know, a love mm-hmm. and we're all one. We're connected and you can read the books and you can listen to the podcast and you can understand it on an intellectual level and you can say the affirmations. And I was doing all of those things, mm-hmm. but I still wouldn't get it. And I'm like, why am I, why is it not showing up? If I'm doing all of those things, I'm doing the work. And it's because I wasn't actually believing it. I didn't actually feel it energetically. And we become a a match to what we are. And so something I shared with um, a, a past client of mine that was feeling stuck in her life, and it made a huge shift for me, is you don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. Yes. And that one just blew me away, you know, because it's like, wait a minute you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. So yeah. So if you have a list of qualities that you want, but you aren't actually embodying them, you can't even attract it. You're not a, a vibrational match for it. Exactly. So that just blew my mind. Cause I thought all this time, like I had high self-love and self-worth and self-confidence, but then I looked at my day-to-day actions. I wasn't taking a day off. I was working seven days a week. I was burning myself out. I was giving, you know, discounts or I was doing things that was not in alignment. I was working with people that really weren't a fit for me energetically. I was overcompensating. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not self-love. Right. That's not self-love. And I was like, holy shit. I'm being a hypocrite thinking I'm being a service to, of service to others. And I'm actually totally being of disservice. Mm-hmm. And I started taking a day off. And now I'm in the midst of like, I want to work even less days. And when you have more time to pour into yourself and do the things that make you happy, when you do show up, you're going to show up just as you said, as love, because you have so much to give. So I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And that was like such a shift for me. So I would love to hear your experience with manifesting and creating your own reality. How did you come to that conclusion? And and what was that like for you? So a few things are coming to me in this moment. Uh, first of all, I was like, yes, manifestation. This is my jam. <laughs> so first, it's my belief that as far as manifesting, right? Yes. Yeah, so you have to set the intention, be very clear. I've learned like the universe wants you to be as specific as possible, right? And I have done this when, when it came to apartments. I promise you, I remember I was, I was manifesting my first apartment coming out of the foster care system. And I was led literally like I see here's the thing that we all have gifts. We all have intuition. The question is, are we tapped in? Are we open to just being present? Right. So with manifesting, mm-hmm. being very clear, I've always written a letter. Dear God, thank you for all I have. I'm asking for this. And I'm very specific with everything. Right. And every time I've manifested in the apartment, I promise you, I've gotten every single thing on the list. And people people would be like, you're crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> I remember one time I was like, I'm going to an apartment. It's going to be 850. They were like, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Second apartment I manifested. I remember I was, um, I was living on section eight housing because I got that because I was in the foster care system. But I've learned that these systems, though helpful, they're not here to help us. <laughs> it is, I feel like, it, so my experience is 
I would give up promotions, raises, because I was trying to be in a certain bracket to keep some that. I'm like, no, I'm going to let this go, right? But like, I didn't get the memo. Interesting. So when I finally had that, what's, I started doing a transformation network and I realized, no, I have tools. I, I'm a powerful being. I don't need this. I'm going to move on. So I was like, I'm going to let go of Section 8 housing, which I'm grateful for. It supported me for 10 years, but I was in a different t- different space at that time. Everyone was like, what? You're crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Da, da, da. I was like, I got this. I'm going to manifest my home. And as crazy as it sounds, I wanted to live where my where I grew up, where the, where the trauma happened, because I wanted to heal from it. I wanted to go back to where everything happened wow. to heal. And I manifested an apartment four blocks from there. And everything I had on my list down to the rent, wow. I got it. 850 in New York City, Harlem. That's like, I'm telling you, I love Wait, that. wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Hold up. Because I lived in New York for 10 years. I was in real estate for three Okay, so I know what the prices are. You I found know. an apartment in Harlem for eight fifty. Yes. So what the, year was this? So I manifested that apartment in two thousand eleven. Okay. Okay. I wow, that's incredible. I recently moved and manifested another apartment again, again, because I was there ten years. I manifested another apartment literally two weeks before the shutdown. And so what I'm learning too with manifestations, it's always better than what you could ever imagine once you surrender. So for me, yeah. steps that I take when yeah. I'm manifesting is being, like I said, being crystal clear, what it is, what is it? And being very detailed as to what it is, but not being attached mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what that is, right? Then I like to, I, mm-hmm. I get it, you know, action being action. I like to be an inspired action. Because here's the thing, you can be in action all you want. Yeah, but if you're not inspired, go. you're just a chicken without a head, right? And so when I had exactly. that, that yeah. intuition, that inkling, that push, that, hey, call this person. Hey, you should check this out. That's inspired action. And it's the universe guiding, leading you, right? Then you got to be open to receive it. You got to be open to receive it. Exactly. You have to be in a like you have to be in alignment with what it is that you say you're looking to manifest. And so one of the things, so you share like a, uh, like the wow moment. One of mine was, well, joy, you got to stay in joy, right? Be in joy, that vibration. You always want to have your vibration high so you can attract what it is that you say that you want and bring it into, bring it forth to you. You know what I mean? So I'm always trying to find different ways to like, I love me some salsa dancing. That's one thing I do miss with the pandemic, even though the world is opening up slowly, but I would always be getting my salsa on somewhere (laughs) because it just brings me so much joy or in the morning, maybe after meditation, I'm having a um, dance party in my living room, right? Keep your vibration high. That's going to support you with whatever it is that you're looking to manifest. And you said something too, that brought up something in this moment, what's coming to me is with all the trauma that happened, right? It was in my body, right? And so I couldn't, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't trust the intuition or the guidance was because I was mistaking it for the fear that was still in my body, right? 
I have been in this fight or flight mode for so many years where I had to learn. It was still in there. And I think um, I'm at a point now where I'm in such a so much better space, but there's still definitely some work that can be done. But I mean, it was a journey in releasing because I mean, again, I didn't get the memo. I was like trauma in the body with like people were like, you should do yoga. You should do this. And I'm like, why? And I'm like, what's happening here? Not realizing that the trauma was in my body. Right. And so that's been another Mm -hmm. interesting journey of healing my physical body and being present because the times when I was experiencing um, abuse being beaten, the not feeling was what kept me alive for so many years. So now I have to go from this space mm-hmm. of, okay, I experienced all this trauma, right? Not being allowed to cry, not being allowed to feel. That's what kept me alive and kept me safe for so many years. Where now, okay, I'm an adult and like people are like, feel your feelings, be with your feelings. <laughs> I'm like feeling the only feeling right. I was able to connect with was anger for so many years, right? And then being right. resentment, that, yeah, exactly. And then being taught that vulnerability yeah. and crying is weak. No, like it's for me, it's a form of purging. It's a form of release. Like, have you a good cry? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm okay with that. And so it's it's been an interesting journey. As I think about it, I'm like, wow, yeah, there were just so many different pieces and elements to um, get to being whole, if that makes sense. Getting back to me, because mm-hmm. I feel like I will always, I will always be, I will never be alone, right? God is always with me. I believe in spirit guides, the Holy Spirit, angels, um, my biological mother, I did find her. Unfortunately, she died um, years later at 49. So like, I know she watches over me, right? And so I feel like when you've gone through trauma, the goal, or at least my intention is to come home to myself. I am home. Mm -hmm. And so I will never be alone. I will never, I will never be alone. I never feel like I'm alone. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You're protected. I love that. Were you able to make peace with your mom before she passed? Yes. So long story short, I, so we reconnected. I found her with the help of my aunt. Um, family members in the Ivory Coast took her in. They were like, we'll take, we'll provide for her. At the time I was, you know, aspiration of becoming an attorney. They were like, when you're ready, we'll send for her. I was like, great. Then I remember um, my mother had issues with alcohol. I remember being maybe five, six years old, and she would be on the couch. I'm thinking she's sleeping. She was drunk. Like You start putting pieces together later on as you get older. And I'm like, oh, and I can't explain it. But at age five, I remember when she was passed out on the couch, I would take a chair, which was probably bigger than me, put it to the sink, wash the dishes because I knew dad would be upset if he came home and the dishes weren't done. So I would push... Wow. Think, wash it so that way he think that she did it. Right. And so I wasn't thinking about this stuff. Wow. Till later on when these memories started coming to me. So mm-hmm. the point of that is she had been drinking since I was younger. 
And so when I found her, I was 24, 25, still struggling with, with alcoholism. Um, my family said, you know, we'll take her in, but she has to stop drinking. Three years, they, I think three years in or two years later, her grand, her mother, my grandmother, um, passed away. It triggered the drinking, right? It triggered her drinking and she started drinking again. She even brought these people to my family's home to rob them. It it was a mess. And I remember she called, my mom called wow. and I was like, what are you doing? Like, what what is happening? And she said, well, they're lying. You're my daughter. And my family were like, yo, she can't stay here. This was part of the, the agreement. She broke the agreement. She can't stay. I was like, you need to get somewhere. And like, I, I was just so angry because I was like, how dare you? But I didn't realize, like, I'm talking to the disease, not her, right? And so that was our last call. I didn't know it would be our last call ever because then a year passed and I went to go celebrate my birthday in Paris with my aunt. And she was like, we need to find your mom. And I was like, she just did this, 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 this. And she was like, well, aren't you the life coach? I was like, oh, so we're going to do that. <laughs> you want to go there with that? So I was like, okay, you know what? You're right. Forgiveness. New moments. I can do this. And so I was like, I'm going to figure out how to apply for citizenship for her, how to bring her here. How do we do this? Even if it's, if it's both of us in the one bedroom, I was like, we're going to do this. I come back to the States. I start looking into how to apply for, you know, to bring, to bring her here, figuring out things. Three months later, I get a call. My aunt never calls me on a weekday. And at that time I was working my corporate job and it was, it was weird. It was like a summer day. It was, there was stillness in the air. I was like, she's like, oh, we found your mom. I was like, great. She said, um, she's in a coma. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. We're going to pray and everything is going to be okay. The next morning, me and my dad were not, we were in each other's lives, but we weren't in the best space at the time. He calls me in the morning and he says, my condolences. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, your mom died. I was like, no, she's not. She's in a coma. Why would you say that to me? He was like, well, that's what I was told. And he hangs up the phone. The next minute, my aunt called. It's like she knew. My aunt calls and I said, dad just called. I said, please don't tell me this is true. She was like, I'm so sorry. I never cried so deeply before. She was like, don't cry, be strong, don't cry, it's going to be okay. I was like, I can't do this. I said, I'm going to call you back. I hung up with her. I got on my hands and knees and I just welt. I just sobbed. I, I was so angry with God. I was like, why would you do this? Again. Ag again. And I mean, I think I cried for the five-year-old that came home and was told she was gone. The eight-year-old, when I was eight, my dad did take me to the Ivy Coast. I saw her again. When we came back, she didn't come back with us. That broke my heart. I cried for the 16-year-old that had that couldn't understand why I had two parents, one who tried to take my life, one who abandoned me, and yet I'm in the system. The state of New York, the city of New York is my parent. I cried for 
the 21-year-old who exited the foster care system, who had no idea how life was going to turn out, according to the city, oh, you're 21, you should, you know what to do. You, you can figure this out. I wasn't properly prepared. I wasn't properly um, ready to be in a world when I had been in this system for four years of my life. I'm telling you, when I, I, I never cried so deeply when she passed away. And then there was guilt because our last conversation was me kind of reprimanding her for what she did to the family. But I'm grateful I'm in a space now where I have finally made peace. It's been six years. And um, I've been doing, I've actually been doing a lot of work around that the past couple of months because some stuff was coming up, some guilt, some guilt. I was like, did she forgive me? Oh my God, do I forgive her? But I, I know, I know that she forgave me. And I knew, I know that she knows that I forgave her. And I started forging a relationship with her on the other side. Because I, I believe that there was an other side. I believe in the unseen and angels, guardian angels. And I know my mom is watching over me. We talk every morning. We have a sign. Like, I know when she's, like, guiding me. Because my uh, my mother had this, I used to think it was the most nastiest habit. So she would get these feathers. And she would use it to, like, scratch her ear. And so every time I see a feather... Oh, I know it's my mom. <laughs> it's wow. been like a journey. I just thank you for sharing that. As you can tell, I'm very emotionally moved by your story. I'm like here crying, but um, yeah, it's just so touching because it reminds me so much of my relationship with my mom. You know, my mom struggles with alcohol, and her father, my grandfather, passed away from his struggles with alcohol at age 59. And I know it deeply hurt my mom and she felt a lot of guilt and shame and all of the emotions you described, my mom felt. And I watched her cry so deeply. The, 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 the description you gave of the tears that you cried, I witnessed my mom go through that pain when she got the call that her father died from alcoholism. Mm. So I know, I don't know firsthand what you felt, but I felt what my mother felt because I saw her cry and I, I, I knew there was nothing I could do to take away that pain. And I just, I felt so deeply for her, you know, and we've had a tough relationship and I'm not going to go into my whole story. This episode is about you, but just know that you sharing that story. I think it impacts a lot of people in a lot of ways because alcoholism is, it's a, it's a big one. And Ultimately, our, our connections to our parents shape us fundamentally. It right. shapes our relationships with our significant others. It shapes our relationships with our future children, with our coworkers, with people we hire, with our bosses. Everything comes from that. Absolutely. And, it, it, you know, it makes sense. So I just want to thank you for, for sharing and being vulnerable um, because I know that's not easy. And that's something I only just recently have come to terms with myself because I spent so much time in judgment of my mom. Mm. You know, why do you have to choose that over this? And then that goes into the sense of like, Oh, you know, that's better than me. And, right. you know, we take so much, so much of this personally. And luckily my mom is still alive, you know, and I let five years pass of not speaking to her because I held on to resentment and anger, you know, that wasn't necessarily related to alcohol, but just that anger, and, you know, I feel grateful that she's still alive and I'm, I've been able to forgive her and have compassion for her. And we work on our relationship and 
you know, that's what my hope is, is that people that still have their parents to, to forgive them and, and try um, with no attachment. Again, you can't control other people's reactions, but um, that's the, the one last thing I want to mention is, and this is a lesson I had to learn for myself, is that when you do go on the path of forgiveness and maybe writing letters and regardless if you send them or not, just making sure you're forgiving them for you and not with the expectation that they are then going to love you. Or there's going to get validation like, oh, how, how noble of you to forgive me for my horrific actions. Because if you're still doing that, there's still this underlying sense of looking for love from your parent or looking for validation. It's doing so regardless of what their reaction is. Their reaction has nothing to do with you. The forgiveness, the surrendering, the letting go, all of that is a solo conversation. They don't even need to be a part of it. And so that was a really... Um, a big lesson for me. So I have a question for you around the the emotion shame. How were you able to, I guess, understand that what you went through as a child, especially, wasn't your fault? And how were you able to let go of that guilt and that shame and those things like doing the dishes so that your dad thought it was your mom? That's a lot of responsibility as a child to even process that and then go and do it. Like you were basically a mini adult. So how were you able to unpack that and then rewire your beliefs? Like, did you work with a coach, with a therapist? Can you share with us what your healing journey looked like? So when I experienced what felt like a mental breakdown, it led me to my very first therapist. I would never forget her. She was hard as nails, but she was exactly what I needed. And I know that I was spiritually okay. guided, like, cause I mean, obviously I had a lot of trust issues, but like literally like I, I like, I lost my mind. I was like, okay, I was afraid that I was going to have to go to like an institution or something. Right. And so I was like, I need to figure this out. And so even the, the steps, cause I'm all about synchronicity and just being led. I know that God led me to her. Right. And so she was this white Jewish woman tough as nails and hear me she was exactly what i needed at that time she was very protective and people were like oh well you know you see her you know how's it going are you unpacking stuff no when i first met her she was helping me survive day to day it wasn't until maybe a year or two yeah where we dove into like the deep stuff right but when we first met i i remember our first meeting when i walked into her apartment I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I felt it. And I remember she was like, well, what brings you here? And I started telling her about the abuse, what happened, the trauma. And I remember breaking down in tears because I was like, I didn't ask to be here. Like I was just bawling because I was just like, I was told I was stupid. I was ugly. I was dumb. I would never amount to anything without my father. Um, It was just this unworthiness. And I was just like, I didn't ask to be here. And I just started bawling. And so from that time, I realized that there were so many different pieces that needed healing. I honestly didn't know where to start. And I needed help in the present day to figure out this thing called life, right? And so once transformational work came into my life in 2011, which led me on the journey of spirituality, I met my current spiritual advisor who I I'm so grateful for it and love to death. And so because I realized 
that as I was in this conversation of spirituality and the intention was higher consciousness, I couldn't see regular doctors, regular therapists. I needed mm-hmm. someone with high yeah, yeah that was having that conversation, that could have that conversation with me, right? And so through my work with my spiritual advisor, um, our therapy sessions, you know, he was able to guide me and coach me around, uh, well, this was, this is part of your purpose. This happened for you, right? Um, Lessons of, um, you did nothing wrong, right? And then having the conversation with like my inner children, right? I mean, I, I work with all types of healers, um, energy workers um, who are so amazing and I'm so grateful that they are in my life to support me with continuing to evolve, right? For me, it's always like this, okay, so what's the next level of consciousness? Continuing to grow into my higher self. Um, but then there's still stuff that gets to be healed, right? And so I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. it's one of my gifts. I've just always had this way of attracting exactly who I needed in my life to support me on this journey of healing and transformation. And so, um, like I said, once I started on the journey, I realized there's just certain people I couldn't work with, right? Because they weren't in that conversation or they were just in a different consciousness and not right or wrong, not a judgment in this moment, but really right. the observation of that's not going to work for me, but it may work for someone else, depending on where they are and the space that they're in. But I knew that mm-hmm. my intention was to continue to expand my consciousness so that way I can continue enjoying this human experience, not taking things personal, not making things personal. Um, Because life was very personal when I was in the foster care system, right? It felt like me, 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 victim, 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 victim. And so, and, you know, that still shows Mm -hmm. up in some ways, but I am in a better space now where I can like acknowledge it and say, oh, okay, this is happening because of this. Or what is this here to teach me? What do I need to know? What do I need to release? Right? And so I love the healers that I work with. that had supported me in reminding me of who I am and why I'm here. Um, It's just been an amazing journey. Wow. You just inspire me so much. I feel like it's so interesting because your podcast, we have rescheduled our podcast probably three or four times because just stuff has come up. Right. And it's so interesting that of all days, you know, we reschedule today and you just said what you said. And it's like, you don't even know this, but that's kind of what I needed to hear. Oh. And a lot of the things that you've shared have been like affirmations of things that I have been putting out there, but just like sometimes second guessing. So it's just so interesting how that happens and everything is just right on time and shows up as it as it needs to so it's just really beautiful so i really really love that um it's amazing okay well i know we're almost near the end of our interview um one of my favorite questions to ask my guests as we talk about spirituality in particular is what does self-care and self-love look like for you now that you've truly embodied that term 
I know a lot of my guests, you know, share meditation as, as a tool. Do you have any other tools that you implement that really help you fill up your cup and show up as your highest self? It's so funny you say that because I, I wrote a post yesterday on, on Instagram about self-care massages. Massage mm. definitely something that I have, um, I kind of fell off, fell off with that, but I've recommitted to my monthly massages. And it's funny when you said self-care, what came up for me is in this journey, I'm realizing that it's going to look different as I continue to grow and evolve, right? For instance, self-care I had to learn at one point was letting go of relationships that didn't serve me. That's a form of self-care. Letting go of relationships that don't feed me, that don't grow me. I should be growing you, feeding you. like. And so when I say feed, like your soul, who you are, right? Letting it go. I didn't realize that that was a form of self-care, right? Because during this journey, there was a time where I've, I'll be honest, I felt guilty that I was choosing to do this work, right? And then I had friends who represented different times during my life where I didn't want to let go of the friendship or I felt bad or they're just like, oh, you, you know, mm-hmm. you, you think you're all that. And no, I'm just, this is right. my journey, right? And so right, right. I thank God I finally got to a space where I was like, okay, so I'm okay with that. And this soul contract, because I believe that relationships are soul contracts, that we it's we are here to help heal certain parts of our stuff that we may not even know we need healing, right? But when we meet people, it's not by accidents, right? And so I had to come to a place of, so this con- soul contract has ended and I'm complete. I'm complete with this relationship and that is okay. Because as much mm-hmm. as I love people, I love me more. And it took me so long to get to a space where I love me because of all the trauma and being told that I was mm-hmm. not worthy. That really, really stayed with me for many, 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 many years. And it showed up in so many different ways, right? Whether it was, oh, I'm going to do this or proving that I was worthy, proving that I was deserving of love by doing X, Y, and Z, where it's like, I just got to be me. I just got to, I just get to be me. I get to be me and I get to put up boundaries and I get to um, do the things that bring me joy. I love cooking. I feel like at some point it's going to be like a coaching and cooking cookbook, or I'm going to put out to the universe a show, baby. I love cooking. I feel like I was a chef in a past life. I do it as a hobby. And people are always like, you should open a restaurant. Oh, this is so eerie right now. I was just like, this is so crazy right now. I have this thought that's so crazy that you're saying this right now. I feel like this is so strange. Yeah, I had this idea of starting a project with my mom. My mom and I bond over food um, because we have opposing political views. We disagree on everything. It's like, we just, it's just immediate, like, boom, argument. And so it's like, let's just not talk about that. How about that? And so we bond over food and growing up, my mom would never show me how to cook, even though I wanted her to, she just never did. And so I asked her recently, I was like, Hey, can you share with me German recipes? Cause she lives in Germany. She moved back to Germany okay. and she's like, Oh, can't you just like go on YouTube, 
you know? And I was like, okay, Tamisha, don't get offended. You know, like it's, it's, I was like, yes, but mom, like you never really taught me how to cook. I really would love for it if it could be you. Like how amazing would it be if my mom taught me how to cook? I want to learn your recipes. I was like, when I have children, I have no family recipes. I want your recipes. And she at first was like, huh? And then she's like, oh, oh, that's actually really nice. And she's like, oh, okay. She's like, oh, do you want me to film it? I was like, yes, film yourself cooking. This is great. Like, yes, film yourself, send me the recipes. And she got so into it. And we started sharing like different recipes. And then she started sending me pictures and she's smiling in the picture, which like is rare. And then I uh, got a, a huge package from Germany with all of my favorite foods from childhood and chocolate and like different sauces. And I was just like, Oh my God, my mom has never sent me a package like ever in my life ever. Like that is so thoughtful. And I was just like, look at that. We always fight and we just bonded over food and she sent me a package of food. And I was just like, this is melting my heart. And like my little entrepreneurial brain, because that's just how my brain works. It's like, oh my God, me and my mom can have a cookbook together. It could be called Cooking and Healing and we can do this and do that. And I had this thought and then now you're sharing this. So that's where that all came from. But yeah, but it's just so beautiful. I know. I love it. It will keep me posted because I love to cook. um, And I love to support all of my guests. Um, It's my favorite thing to do. I love to collaborate. Obviously, I always have guests on my show. So let me know how I can support you. Um, And before you talk about your one-on-one coaching and all of your offerings, I always always like to ask my guests their philosophy on what is the meaning of life, which I know is is a deep one. So if you'd like to share. The meaning of life. So going back to we are souls having this human experience, right? I feel like we are here to be in contribution. And that is the rent we pay for being in this body, this vessel, right? And it is my belief that being in service is why we are here. And the different experiences that we have is to help prepare us to mold us, to shape us into who we're meant to be and these gifts that we have to share with the world. I feel like we are here to leave our gifts, our like our contributions and make the world a little bit of a better place than when before we got here, right? And before we leave. And so it's my belief that contribution is the meaning of life and having this human experience, the good, the bad, the awful, the funny, that is part of life, which is this beautiful human experience. And I want to add one more thing. So to anyone out there who is listening and may have been through something traumatic and they're having difficulty maybe forgiving or moving past, I remember my spiritual advisor giving me this coaching. It was so impactful. I was like, oh, drop the mic moment, right? He said, people do the best they can with what they have at their level of consciousness. You can't be mad at that. At the end of the day, what was done to me, my dad did to me what was done to him. And so it doesn't excuse whatever happened, right? Mm -hmm. But he was working at his level of consciousness with the tools that he had and he did the best. Because here's the thing, our parents had their own trauma too, right? Yep, they're people. They're people. 
they're people. Because I remember there was a time where I was like, no, well, you're my parent. You're supposed to be this, this, this. How dare you be human? They're human uh, with their own stuff, uh, right? And so at the end right. of the day, they did the best they could with what they had. And so I think it's up to, so for me, I'll speak for myself mm-hmm. here, that the abuse stops with me. And so I'm in the commitment of I'm going to do whatever I need to do, whatever work, so that way it stops with me. Because mm-hmm. they didn't choose to do the work, and that's fine, right? But I'm in a conversation of, okay, well, this was done. I know how that felt, and I'm going to do the work for future generations to come. Mm-hmm. It all boils down to choice. Like we, we always have a choice in the matter. And so I want people to remember People are doing the best they can with the tools that they have at their level of consciousness. Yeah, I I agree. And self-awareness is the is the key. It's definitely the gateway. So before we wrap up, we always end with this uh with this statement, and uh, that's just sharing your words of wisdom that you would love to leave our listeners with that has uh, just guided you this far. And you've already dropped so many gems, but I guess if you had to just give like a couple, a uh, couple of sentences, what would it be? So this human experience, right? It's, I'm, I'm it's going to sound a little woo woo, but I'm just going to say it. <laughs> you've been here before. You've done this before, which means that you have the tools and everything you need within yourself. Uh, you are magic, <laughs> but it is up to you and your choice to share your magic with the world. Because I promise you, no matter what you've been through, whatever it looked like, you have something to contribute to the world. And there is someone that is waiting for your contribution. I'll end it there. So beautiful. I love that. Let everybody know how they can best support you, where they can find you, and also um, exactly who your ideal client is. I know you offer one-on-one coaching. So who would be the ideal person that you could help with your service? So my website is PamelaJCampbell.com. Um, I'm also Pamela J. Campbell on Instagram and on Facebook. And it's funny you ask that question because I'm in this space of... So for me, when I left my corporate job in 2018 and started my business in 2019, I, I had already been coaching, right? And so when I think back at the people that I've worked with, coaching and then clients, the theme was spirituality. It was limiting beliefs. It was how to move forward. I'm actually in the space now of getting clearer on who my ideal client is. Um, But for me, as you can see, I love transformation and spirituality. So as of right now, anyone that is looking to start their journey of spirituality, anyone that is feeling stuck um, in the old narrative, in the old story, someone that is um, open to just letting go of the old story and creating something new from a place of possibility and not from pain. So I feel like I'm still tightening that up, but anyone that's just open to this journey of spirituality and really looking to unleash their superpowers, I got you. I love it. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely talk more offline um, because I think I, I may be able to add a little bit of value and clarity in that department because I know what that's like. You kind of just want to, anybody that's had a spiritual awakening, right. I can help you. Right. Um, so I, I, I hear that. I hear that. Um, 
And I love that. And I think you have so much value to add to the world and just hearing your story. You have an incredible story and I can't wait to read your book and just all of the things you're going to do. So thank you again for coming on and uh, yeah, until next time. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode brought you value and perspective. If you are a coach yourself or aspiring to be, maybe you're a healer, tarot card reader, mystic, author, or a light worker in any sense of the word. If you are looking to get more clarity around how to launch or relaunch your spiritual-based business, perhaps you want to start your own podcast or figure out your core audience, maybe you just need accountability to get the thing done, schedule a time with me at calendly.com slash vibe queen slash map consultation and we can hop on a zoom call and see if working together makes sense i appreciate you sending you so much love and until next time